On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Will he offer me his mouth? Yes. Will he offer me his teeth? Yes. Will he offer me his jaws? Yes. Will he offer me his hunger? Yes. Again? Will he offer me his hunger? Yes. And will he starve without me? Yes. Then does he love me? Yes. Yes. On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Yes. I bet you say that to all the boys. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Song Lines and Tan Lines podcast. A place to take a momentary break from your day-to-day routine. Those returning, thank you. The support is more than greatly appreciated. Those new to this podcast, welcome. And if you like what you hear and are not a subscriber, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's pull up the anchor and... Set sail. The idea for this episode sprang up into my mind a few days after the passing of Meatloaf, one of many celebrities we have lost recently in the entertainment world. Here's a brief snippet on him from Wikipedia. Marvin Lee Aday was born in Dallas, Texas on September 27, 1947. The only child of William Artie a school teacher and member of the Vodio Do Girls Gospel Music Quartet, that's a mouthful, and Orvis Wesley Aday, a former police officer who went into business selling a homemade cough remedy with his wife and a friend under the name of the Griffin Grocery Company. Meatloaf stated in an interview that when he was born, he was bright red and stayed that way for days, and that his father said he looked like nine pounds of ground chuck, and convinced hospital staff to put the name Meat on his crib. He was later called ML in reference to his initials, but when his weight increased, his seventh grade classmates referred to him as Meatloaf, in commemoration to his five foot two inches, 240 pound stature. He also attributed the nickname to an incident where, after he stepped on a football coach's foot, the coach yelled, Get off my foot, you hunk of meatloaf! Hell of a way to get a nickname, right? I won't claim to be a huge meatloaf fan. Not even close. Barely even a hits guy. Only listened to one album by him through the years. But after he passed, I started thinking about his music. And I thought it might be time to dust off that one album by him, I heard many years ago. I pulled up Apple Music, downloaded the album, and then gave it a spin. Impressed doesn't even come close to the way I felt after diving back into the album, Bad Out of Hell. Not a bad song on it at all, and I love the theatrical nature of it as well. I enjoy musical theater, and this album is very much in that vein. Major points for that. At the start of the episode, you heard the intro to the song, You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth. Great title, among so many 
Meatloaf had on his albums. Let me now go ahead and dive into another song from that album, the title track, Bat Out of Hell. Killer tune, right? Really digging that one, and Meatloaf sounds amazing on it, like he does on all of his songs. The man could flat out sing. One of the best voices to ever grace the microphone. And, in case you don't know much about this album, Bad Out of Hell, here's a bit about it from Wikipedia before I move on to the last and final song. Bad Out of Hell is the 1977 debut album by American singer Meatloaf and composer Jim Steinman. It is one of the best-selling albums of all time. The album was developed from a musical, Neverland, a futuristic rock version of Peter Pan. I would love to see that, which Steinman wrote for a workshop in 1974. It was recorded during 1975 to 1976 at various studios including Bearsville Studios in Woodstock, New York, produced by Todd Rundgren and released in October 1977 by Cleveland International Epic Records. Its musical style is influenced by Steinman's appreciation of Richard Wagner, Phil Spector, Bruce Springsteen, and The Who. Bat Out of Hell has spawned two Meatloaf sequel albums, Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, and Bat Out of Hell 3, The Monster is Loose, both of which I can't claim to have listened to. I might have to once this podcast episode is recorded and finished. Anyway, Bat Out of Hell has sold over 43 million copies worldwide, according to Wikipedia. It is certified 14 times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. It is the best-selling album in Australia as of June 2019, It has spent 522 weeks in the UK Albums Chart, the second longest chart run by a studio album. Rolling Stone ranked it at number 343 on its list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Impressive, right? Sometimes all you need is one hit. 
and you can make a career out of it. Anyway, let's go ahead and dive into Paradise by the Dashboard Light, a duet Meatloaf did with Ellen Foley. Another killer tune and a staple on classic rock radio to this day. I bet most of you listening to this episode know that song. And I couldn't talk about this album without mentioning the cover and what a great cover it is. Always love a great cover. Here's a bit about it from Wikipedia. Steinman is credited with the album cover concept, which was illustrated by Richard Corbin. The cover depicts a motorcycle ridden by a long-haired man bursting out of the ground in a graveyard. In the background, a large bat perches atop a mausoleum that towers above the rest of the tombstones. In 2001, Q Magazine listed the cover as number 71 in its list of the 100 best record covers of all time. I hope this brief dive into bat out of hell will not only help you appreciate the monster album it is but i hope you will go out and give it a listen once you finish with this episode if you do let me know your thoughts on it rest in peace meatloaf let me drop anchor here and close out the episode you can hear my voice talking about music on the audible ecstasy podcast and talking about horror on the nightlight tales podcast and if you would like to be a part of this podcast Pick five songs and two albums by Jimmy that you would take to a desert island. Email me those answers at songlinesandtanlines at gmail.com. And if you know how to record your answers, you can send them to me that way as well. I did get a reply from Adam on Twitter. He is part of the Under 40 Victims of Fate podcast. A great podcast if you've never heard it. I think I understood his tweets right. If not, Adam, let me know. This is the Desert Island Choice from the Under 40 Victims of Fate podcast. Their two albums were Fruitcakes and Barometer Soup. Both great choices. Fruitcakes was one of mine. And their five songs were That's What Living Is to Me, Color of the Sun, Changing Channels, Tonight I Just Need My Guitar, Far Side of the World. And Adam also said personally, this was his choice. The two albums I mentioned, Fruitcakes and Barometer Soup, 
along with these songs. That's What Living Is To Me, Color of the Sun, Remittance Man, Barometer Soup, Barefoot Children. I think that's right. Hope it is. And one more thing before I close. I couldn't do this episode without playing one of my favorite songs from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. A song Meatloaf stole the show with called Hot Patootie Bless My Soul. That song will close out the episode. And after it plays, I will dive back into my book, The Tale of the Golden Pirate, available in ebook and paperback on Amazon. That's it. Thanks for listening. Cheers and aloha. Killer, killer song. Love that song. Love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. Probably in my top 10 of movies of all time. Have you guys seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? I haven't, but I would love to see it live someday if I get the nerve to do it. I've heard first-time viewings are pretty rough on newcomers. I think they go as far as calling us virgins when we go into it for the very first time. Anyway, enough of that. Let's go ahead and dive into the tale of the Golden Pirate. Here we go. The snow picked up in intensity, and the makings of a blizzard were setting in. The shoes he loved so much all summer now seemed to turn traitor as the cold air sucked out the cushion. It was like running on two hard slabs of concrete. Parson was glad he stayed on the roads and not taken the sidewalks. He imagined himself trudging down those sidewalks and then seeing in horror as his legs shattered from the pounding. The asphalt wasn't that much better, but it helped. Lucky for him, with the weather setting in, the road was about deserted. Parson was glad for two things on this run today. The first, when he saw he was at 1.5 miles so he could turn around, and the second, when he saw his home in the distance. He made his way up to the door and unlocked it. Ghost or no ghost, he didn't hesitate this time. He opened the door and rushed in with flakes of snow chasing after him. The door closed hard. Parson turned the lock and made his way towards the bedroom. There was no stretching this time. Legs be damned. He was an icicle from head to toe. He was out of his clothes and into the shower as quick as he could be. When the shower was done, he toweled off and did what he always did after a run. He stood in front of the mirror to see the changes running had made to his body. He still wasn't the weight he wanted to be, enjoyed junk food a little too much, but he was getting there. 
Parson stood about 5'3 with short brown hair that was still thick despite his 40-year-old age. He didn't look 40, maybe early 30s. He had a clear complexion and almost wrinkle-free skin. His body wasn't hairless and most of the women he had been with thought it was sexy, even with the extra weight. He was a handsome-looking man, rugged and tough. Somehow, through all the years of hard work, he had managed to keep himself looking youthful. He had brown eyes, strong hands. In fact, he was told he had one of the strongest grips around. He had to hold back on the pressure when he shook someone's hand because he thought he would break it. Parson put on comfortable clothes, house pants, t-shirt, Jimmy Buffett on the front, concert dates on the back, socks on his feet, and then went into the kitchen. He made coffee and sat down on the couch with his laptop. He looked at his watch and logged his time, something all runners do. They obsess over their miles and time. Parson was no different from the rest of them. He had to know. He always had to know. Since he had started running, he struggled to get under a 10-minute mile. He had on occasion broken that elusive barrier, but most of the time, he just hovered right around it. The night's run found him doing three miles in about 42 minutes, which came out to be about a 14-minute mile. That wasn't very good. When he was done, he put the laptop on the side table and picked up his coffee. He sipped it slowly. The liquid was doing what the shower couldn't do, warm his insides. Parson put his head back for a moment in order to just let the day wash over him and the coffee take hold. Standing behind him was the pirate he had seen the night before, pointing downward.